happy holiday. This is one time I can say that and it's July, all right. July 3rd? July, well. Happy July 3rd. It, it's July 3rd holiday for me because I, I'm off tomorrow. Right, Barb? You're off tomorrow. Anybody else off? Julia, are you off tomorrow? What is off? I'm always off. You off? <laughs> okay, well, shall we get started? What do you think? That could be good. Dealing with uh, communion with uh, Christ. And last week, actually, uh, I'll put this up here. We did uh, the act of obedience of Christ. And that's his works, and we saw that in all the almost all the works, everything that Christ does, it's like we're with him. And it, and you think of his death, we were we died with him, we were buried with him, you know, we we were crucified, we were buried, we arose with him, and you constantly see with him, with him, and uh, so. But this act of obedience is his. We see his righteousness in, in everything. He was perfect uh, in all of his obedience. Baptism by John the Baptist. Uh, there he was obeying the Father. That was one of his works. Everything that he did uh, was all in the will of the Father. And that was active. And then, not only is there an act of obedience, but uh, they also divide it up and, and call the other one what? Passive obedience. And that's what we're dealing with tonight. Passive obedience in his... His sufferings and more particular in his uh, crucifixion. And of course, he could have stopped it if he wanted to, but he was passive in the sense that um, this was the plan, the purpose, and he let that happen. I guess you could put it that way in a real easy terminology. So we've been uh, dealing with this. This is the, what you could call the second uh, spring of our communion with Christ because of His grace that He purchased for us. And so it's dealing with His death, uh, His oblation. He lived for us, act of obedience, and He died for us, passive obedience. He died for us. He was uh, really ours in all that He did and all that He suffered. And, and there are three considerations here in this uh, death of Christ. One is dealing with the price. And sacrifice. This is all uh, the death of Christ on the cross. There, there had to be a price paid. There had to be um, a sacrifice. And of course, all of this is dealing with. It's also punishment. A lot of people really cringe in the Christian realm to think that the Father punished the Son in doing this sacrifice and paying this price. Of course, that's kind of the heart of the Gospel, isn't it? I don't know why that would bother them, but of course a lot of people don't want a bloody Christ, and so therefore what do they do with songs like Washed in the Blood? Uh, they just don't sing them. <laughs> or anytime there's words that have blood in it, they take that out. Of course, why, why worship Christ if you don't deal with what, what He did? Um, there are terms that we can take with um, this price and sacrifice and punishment. Um, this one would be dealing with redemption. The price 
or to redeem. And when you when you say redemption, uh, there's a word called ex agarazzo, which means to buy out of the marketplace. Agarazzo marketplace ex out to buy out redeem. Uh, there's another one called lutrao, which is to loosen and to let go. So that's redeeming. It's it's paying a price. And of course, sacrifice is going to bring in the aspect of reconciliation. And, uh, and of course, when you think of punishment, you think of, of course, uh, meeting the demands of uh, what God had set forth, the demands of, of uh, this, this payment. And uh, so anyway, that'd be penalty. I guess you could put it that way. Was it penal and sacrificial, right? Substitutionary. So really, you go to the cross when you see this, and this is how we relate to Christ. This is how we commune with Him whenever we look at uh, His crucifixion. He, we, we were crucified with Him. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank You for this day and this evening that You've given us and Your precious Word. And may we understand You a little bit further in what You did and to, to know the closeness that we have with You uh, as we were in one sense with the person of Christ. That is death, burial, resurrection. And we sit in the heavenly places. Although that has not happened, we, in another sense, do sit with Him now. So, Lord, help us to have a little understanding more, further, of what this all means. In Jesus' name, Amen. So the first one is that death of Christ is a price. It's the first one that, uh, that we deal with. And that's dealing with redemption. Kind of explain that a little bit. Uh, and when you have redemption, it means to, to redeem something means to deliver also. It means to deliver one from bondage, captivity. So whenever He purchased us, whenever He paid the price, whenever He redeemed us, it meant that there was a bondage, a captivity. But this idea of a, of a price. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 6.20. And there had to be a price paid. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, because of that, glorify God in your body uh, as you live here. You, You were bought. And the price was not cheap. It was extreme. It was the blood of Christ, right? Um, another one is First Peter one eighteen and nineteen. He paid for us. Knowing that you were not there's that word redeemed, bought, paid for, with perishable things like silver or gold which is the most precious metals that you can have, from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but you were redeemed with precious blood, 
as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. So there it tells us what the payment is, what that purchase price was. It was, it was the blood of, of the lamb. And, of course, he was spotless, the blood of Christ. So there it is again dealing with um, purchasing, uh, buying for us, paying for us. Go to another, Matthew twenty twenty-eight. You think of communing with somebody, and then you think of uh, maybe growing up with your parents, and they paid for everything. They paid the way, right? When you didn't have the money, and of course you've had it where you know maybe somebody bought something for you, and those, all the purchasing for that. That's uh, having a relationship with people when that happens. And uh, here it is when we were in a bondage. What happened was that there was a ransom put up for it. Good way to illustrate it. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to what? To give His life a ransom for many. There it's His whole life. It's everything. Every part of it. Get into that in a moment. So there again, it's paying a price. The proper effect is that a price or a ransom is said to be like a redemption. And redemption is always going to mean that you're redeemed out of a bondage, out of a captivity. So not only was the price paid, but He took us out of a bondage. So the first thing we look at under this uh, number one there is deliverance. We get the idea of paying the price. Uh, deliverance, and if you look in uh, Romans 11.26, Look what Jesus is called. You don't mind turning tonight, do you? Lots of Scripture. What do we have there? And so Israel will be saved just as it is written, the Deliverer will come from Zion. Of course, this is a, it's a quote and so he uses the word deliverer. It's out of Isaiah. Isaiah 59, I believe. But the deliverer will come from Zion. He will save. There he's speaking of the nation of Israel where he has um, some are left uh, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And then all uh, Israel, the ones who are the, the Jews at that time when he comes back, will be saved. He's the deliverer. That means... He you're delivered from something. Go to Galatians 1.4. And Who gave Himself for our sins so that He might rescue us from this present evil age. Rescue or deliver from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father. To whom be the glory forever. Amen. So, there is out of the present evil age. There was a present evil age when Paul wrote this to the Galatians. And would you say that we live in a present evil age today? <laughs> we can identify with that. He delivers us out of that. He, already, he actually already has. But there will be a time when He will literally, physically take His church to... 
Oh, First Thessalonians 1.10, that's a lot like that one there. First Thessalonians 1.10. It's dealing with the wrath here. And to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, that is, Jesus, who what? Rescues us from the wrath to come. So when He pays for us, what He's doing, He's delivering us. And there it's from the present evil age. And it's also dealing with the wrath that is going to judge all of mankind who are not believers. Pretty graphic there, isn't it? So that's one way to look at it. It's, it's a deliverance. So when you get the idea of deliverance, and in the ways that we saw it there, we can look at oh, 61.1 of Isaiah. I think this is the, the passage that Jesus quoted whenever He was in His hometown, Nazareth. Whenever He went into the synagogue and He read the Scripture. And here it is. Verse 1, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon Me because the Lord has anointed Me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent Me to bind up the brokenhearted. And here we go, are you ready? To proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. Of course, that's even speaking of Jubilee. But their liberty to captives, the one who are held in bondage, to, to prisoners. Were, and this is what Jesus used whenever He went into the synagogue and He said, I'm the one. I'm bringing good news. And of course, that's a spiritual way of uh, proclaiming liberty to the captives. They're held in bondage to sin, right? The prisoners of sin. Prisoners of Satan. And He takes them out of that. And of course, what great good news. He's telling that to His hometown people. And they're all awe in awe and amazed. And then in a short moment or two, they will be ready to cast Him over the brow of the hill. Ready to kill Him there, right in His home hometown. In the synagogue. So that, that's what happened there. They were bound in prison. And uh, Isaiah 42.7 so the pictures were given quite frequently in the Old Testament of what the kind of situation people were in. So He purchases us, takes us out of a bondage, a captivity of these different elements, different pictures. Uh, I had 42.7, right? To open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. So you got dungeon, you have <laughs> darkness, prison. Good idea, right? Very pictorial there, Isaiah is. Uh, so prisoners, bound in prison, captives. That's the kind of terminology that's used in Hebrews 2.15. Hebrews is a very Jewish book. Jewish people who are Christians and Jewish people who were borderline really weren't, but they were. Hebrews 2.15 says something that would be familiar. Yeah. He might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery. 
all their lives. So they're slaves. So slaves, prisoners, a bondage, He delivers them out from bondage, captivity. On that uh, C, under number one there, I actually um, put the... I put Christ there, but I really meant to put God. And when we think of God, often it means Father. Under under one, where you have the death of Christ as a price, then you have A, deliverance, B, deliverance from bondage, C, the person committing to prison and bondage is God Himself. Uh, the person uh, committing, I guess you'd say, thus to prison and, and to bondage is God Himself. We owe Him because we have debts. To Him we owe our debts. So we go to... Oh, remember the Sermon on the Mount? The prayer? And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So we are a debtor to God because of the position that we're in. And of course, all that He's done and He's bought us. But, um, how about 18? Matthew 18. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. They owed him. So he uses this parable here to show kind of the similitude. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him. 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had, and repayment to be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. And then goes on tells what, what he did though with somebody else that owed him and he did not forgive them. You might remember that parable. But there, there again it's talking about we have debts. And um, we have, we've offended him. He's the judge. He's the lawgiver. He's given us everything. And so anytime that we sin is to rebel against him. And he shuts up all men under, the, under disobedience. But yet, of course, the ones he delivers, their debt has been paid. It's been canceled, hasn't it? So, so we get the misery of, of men. And then part D there is the miseries are innumerable. So, so when we talk about, you can't number them all. It's um, what kind of captivity are we in when he comes and delivers us? Of course, we know we have bondage to to Satan, to sin, death, hell. You know, it just goes on and on. Um, <clears throat> power of darkness. How about, um, let's go to Colossians 1, 13 and 14. So here we are in that terrible captivity, in the dungeons, in the dark. Get all those pictures, all those illustrations. And one thirteen says, For he... And we're still talking about delivering too, right? This deliverance, paying this price. He rescued us from the domain of 
darkness transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have, what's our key word there? Redemption. Forgiveness of sins. So He rescued us out of the domain of darkness. So there's one of the miseries there, the power of darkness, the domain of darkness. Of course, you can go on and on. How about in um, Titus 2.14? So we're in darkness. What does um, Paul say to Titus 2.14? Gave Himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify Himself a people for His own possession. from our vain conversation, from our manner of life, every lawless deed that we we had. He redeemed us. He bought us from all those lawless deeds. I wonder how many those are. It's endless, isn't it? So darkness, lawlessness that we were in, our manner of living, conversation, it says in another translation, First um, Peter 1, 18 and 19, another good picture of it. This is the miseries that we were in. Verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed, we read this earlier, with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life. Our futile way of life. That's, a, that's another way of putting it. From the guilt, the power of sin, and it was futile, it was empty. Um, Hebrews 9.15 Another misery that He delivered us out of. By the way, if you guys ever beat me, you're welcome to read these passages. I'm just turning. Therefore, He is the mediator of the new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So it's a redemption of what? Of the transgressions. Redeeming us out of the transgressions. That means to like cross over a boundary. God draws a line, we went across the line. You know how it is, you put up a boundary, it's something kids are not supposed to go over and put up a little fence, what's the first thing that they do? Don't don't you do that. It's just natural to. That's that's it. Galatians four and five, all all the illustrations that show us where we were at, and and boy, you can have communion with one who delivers you out of this kind of stuff. What did I say? Galatians four five, so that he might redeem those who were under the law. We were under the law. Of course, what does the law do? Condemns us. So there are some of the miseries that we were delivered out of, purchased deliverance. The payment goes into the hand of God. It doesn't go to Satan, does it? A lot of people think that that the ransom, the payment of the price was made and was given to Satan. That's hard to believe, but that is taught. It was to God the Father. The hand of God. Supreme authority. The debt is due. The debt is due to Him. I think the rich line and the Lord doesn't have something to do with 
makes you wonder if it really was trying to get that close that was kind to of what, that. That was kind of the evil. That was kind of what you kind of were left with. That she was owed a payment. And yeah. of course, in this sense, we know that it's the father <coughs> that right. gets that. And of course, you know, there's there's a penalty, and penalty is paid by Christ. Think of. Um, Revelation 1 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. Look at all the titles and all the things that he did here. Jesus, that means Savior. Christ means the anointed one. He's the faithful witness. He's the firstborn of the dead. The ruler of all kings of the earth. To Him who loves us and released us from our sins by His blood. I like the next verse. He's made us to be a kingdom priest. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? Kingdom priest. King priest. So He released us, delivered us from our sins. Payment is made. Uh, Romans 3, 24 and 25. Being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption, there's the key word again, the payment, which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed, put Him on display publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. This was to demonstrate His righteousness because in the forbearance of God He passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of His righteousness at the present time so that He be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He is just, but He also justifies us. So there is the price, the redemption. And deliverance is related to paying the price, isn't it? To uh, bring us out of something and then place us into, into Christ. Now, the next one, as we relate to it, as, as when we were with Him, of course this happened, we were with Him in His baptism or in His uh, uh, death, crucifixion. Um, the death of Christ is a sacrifice, and, and it's a sacrifice of every part of Him. Everything. He, you have to think of His body. He gave up His body for us, for instance. Uh, Hebrews 10.5. Somebody read that. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, He said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Uh-huh. What's the last phrase? But a body. Of course, you know, the, all the other sacrifices, the offerings, they were, they were commanded by God, but 
their attitude and really what it had turned into it was not what God desired but that was part of his plan to show the picture of what ultimately would be the sacrifice and of course the body of Christ uh, and uh, being offered up is is the ultimate in it so that's one while well, you're in Hebrews um, 10 in verse 10 by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Some people say Jesus was actually a phantom. Really wasn't here. <laughs> really wasn't his body. The body of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53. You have to go there. This is the gospel in a nutshell. And in 53, verse 10, But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief, if he would render himself as a guilt offering. He was an offering, as a rendered as a guilt offering. Just like the sacrifices in the Old Testament. And that's what happened there. So, uh, definitely sacrifice. Uh, Ephesians 5 2. We are going Old Testament, New Testament. We're going we're gonna to get, I think we're going to get a record number of scriptures here tonight. For ourselves. I mean. <laughs> Just think Abel got all this early on, he didn't need all this. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Didn't even have. <laughs> well, they got the, the heart of the gospel, didn't they? I yeah. mean, you know, yes. Abel was that sacrifice was was right there, but yeah. they knew that it went beyond that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just. Deep. Yeah, you're saying what? Well, they didn't have to turn this many passages, right? <laughs> um. Walk in love just as Christ loved you and gave Himself up for us an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Now, you know, we're hitting on the right in the middle of the Gospel, right? I mean, you can't miss this. I mean, we're talking about atonement, redemption, sacrifice, penal, substitutionary. You know, we've heard it over and over and over. How many times have we looked at it? But if, look at that verse there. You know, walk in love. That's really what the chapter is about here after you've seen chapter 4. But he says, just as Christ loved you, but this ought to grab you right here. How many times have you read it and you didn't think too much about it? He gave Himself up for us, yeah, as an offering and a sacrifice to God. And it was pleasing to Him. It pleased the Father. Isn't that beautiful? He is a an offering, a sacrifice. A fragrant offering. Right. Sweet smelling. God is pleased with that. It, it, Isaiah 53 says it pleased him to crush his son. I mean, this sounds like the language of somebody who's really harsh. This is but, the will of the Lord to crush him. There you go. It certainly was. Yeah. But the, just, you know, these verses. They, it, it, we know all this. This is nothing new to all of us, you know. But 
you know, these verses stand out and they kind of remind us when, when you look at passage, you go, well, I know that. But then you look at it and you go, oh, yeah. I mean, it just brings the beauty out of it. And you can see the kind of love that Jesus had for us whenever He, he did this and paid for us. It was, it was His body and, and uh, this was all the triune God involved. And because of this death, it, it made us reconciled with Him. We, what were we? We were enemies, and now our relationship is where we have been brought to God the Father, uh, reconciled. It's an atonement. It's a sacrifice, an atonement, a reconciliation with God. Sin, sin had broken a friendship between mankind and God, and there's the reconciliation. That's what gets a rise out of the angelic host, right? Oh. Like they, they, they party over that. <laughs> when yes. One sinner is, when just one sinner is delivered out. Yeah. And they marvel at that. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they're astounded by it. It didn't happen to them. Either, either they were just automatically without sin or... They were sinners, they, angels that chose to follow Satan. But that has to be overwhelming to them. You know, we can kind of lose the sense of that. But and they, boy, and then they serve as servants of God to the redeemed. You know, they're an, they're an act. You know. and then they help him, don't they? Yeah. And then yeah. what happens? We, we charge over them someday. <laughs> Yeah. Is that deserved? <laughs> yeah. And we we're in awe of that love. Yeah, we're like, well, I'm not tell that. <clears throat> Perfect beings. Yeah, before they were the Jewish people never really saw that, and of course that was the hidden part of the gospel, even though it was well written into the Old Testament, but it was a mystery. The Jews never got that. The place, the place in the temple for the Gentiles, right? That they could actually an outer. That's right. Even right there, so God made a provision pointing. That's right. They can come and, and pray there. That's right. So that was a yeah. That's a good point because that the Jews should have picked up on that. I mean, the that God has a plan for them too. God said it all the way through the Old Testament, but they, well, just, they in, didn't in get the, it. In the uh, I mean, I don't know if it would have been the perfect, so to speak, picture. But you know, there was the mixed multitude in the. In the desert march and all that, you know, where they had the intermarrying and stuff, you know, so it probably wasn't the perfect thing, but there were always those who were part of the camp that were from, you know, the 
from the right the other side. Yeah, the, yeah, <laughs> the other side of the tracks, so to speak. Right. You know, from the Those other, from the from the Arabs and the, well, all the ites. Okay. <laughs> you know, all those right. Other. But they were such enemies of God, so you could kind of see in a way where they were blinded to believe that that was, I mean, that was their enemy. And mm -hmm. God actually said that they were all their enemies, too, because yeah. he wanted them separate. And then he would use other, uh, you know, uh, others from outside of the Jews to, you know, to work in his plan, you know, mm -hmm. his providence. But, yeah. the, the ones that he brought in that to think, you know, he had colored, colored lives. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he had us in his eye all during that time, yes. even before, as Gentiles. Well, we get to the punishment part. Of course, this is the punishment. Really, when you when you think about it, the, he was punished in our place because we. Should have gotten that punishment, and it gave satisfaction to the father. He was the one who was offended, wasn't he? And so Jesus is the one who has inflicted, substitutes himself in our place, substitutionary atonement. I can't imagine why any Christian, so-called Christian, would want to deny that. I, I'm just astounded every time. I, it's like, okay, so what do they have to believe? They have to believe in a work salvation, then, don't they? If he didn't take our place, then we have to be good enough to do it. Substitutionary atonement, satisfying the Father. This is the purchased grace that we have when we have communion with Christ. His death, his blood shedding that he did. And so it's all under a threefold thing: price, sacrifice, punishment. And there we are, um, having all this grace. It's all purchased. He he bought, paid for it all. Hey, it's been paid for. Can I throw in a couple bucks? <laughs> There's one last thing, and uh, it's a good one to go on. He just doesn't, you know, just leave us there. Uh, he rose, of course, he died for our sins, and he rose again for our justification. And we read that earlier, Romans 4:25. Um, Hebrews 7:25 is like the the key verse I wanted to hit just right here on this part because this is our ongoing relationship, communion with Him, and the reason that we can have it, and that it continues on, not just because of what He's already done, but because of what He's doing now also. Therefore, He is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, through Christ, since what? He always lives to make intercession for them. Interceding it means to, to intercede on the behalf of another. That intercessory prayer that Christ had in John 17, for instance. And of course, He continues to do that now. It's, uh, I really like the way ESV has that one. It says, 
he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God. That's probably even better. Yeah. That might be a better translated word there. I like that one. Yeah. Rings a bell. To the utmost. What's uttermost? I mean, yeah. I mean, this is like, it's like infinite, isn't it? And how can anybody believe in losing salvation? I mean, just one verse right there to save forever. Because he intercedes. Oh. No half measures. What's that? No half oh, measures. Fully, right? Hebrews 9.24. Here's another one. That Hebrews 9 is great. It's about the sacrifice that Christ had and just the whole aspect of that work has been done. He fulfilled it. 9.24. For Christ... This is a good one to go on right here. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, <clears throat> the temple of the head, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear now to appear in the presence of God. What's those two words? For us. This is for you. This is for me. This is for us. He's in the presence of God for us. Interceding for us. He appears in the presence of God. So, and of course we have to think of Holy Spirit then. I think of John 14, 16, but the Holy Spirit is the one who that he we know he intercedes, and because of his power that's in us, we're able to live this life. And when we don't know how to pray, the Son's praying for us, the Holy Spirit is praying for us. What else do we need? <laughs> Anybody have any other any thoughts? All nothing new here at all, was there? But yet these verses, I hope they kind of as I was reading through them, you know, even tonight, I was looking at them last night, and it just uh, kind of stirs it up. You go, oh yeah, I've read that verse, but it, now it means a little bit more. It just reaffirms what we need. That's what we need. Puts things back into perspective, doesn't it? After you've done an eight-hour job all day, (laughs) sometimes it's been stressful, and then you read verses like this, whether it be here, whether it be at home, or you hear it on the radio or whatever, and you go, ah, a little drink, (laughs) a little fresh. Were you still looking into John Owen's writings for this part? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm taking this. Did he use that word oblation? Yeah, he uses oblation. You know, I haven't even ever thought of that. I used to think about that a lot when I first started reading the Bible. I used to think, 
what a smelly, yucky mess that temple must have been and the priests must have been. And yeah, I used to think about that a lot. Wow. You're right. Let's sweet. get crude here, yeah. right? It's all about that sweet it wasn't that aroma pretty. that we would not consider it. it. call it a sweet aroma. That's right. You shouldn't. The same thing with the blood is the stains of what? Why did it have to be done? Yeah, how, how did they keep those? What did they do? Just Oh, they had lies so back then. <laughs> <laughs> Tied tie pots. It was intentional, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think it was yeah, so they sprinkled that... it on. Yeah, you know there's no way they're going to keep from getting it on. But I think the stains are a reminder of why this happened to be done in the first place. We are not pure. And that was like to show the stains is the blood, and blood is hard to remove from anything. How about in Revelation when Christ comes back and He's wearing His robe dipped in blood? Always reminds us. That's the price that was paid. It came from him. I but... looked something like this shirt right here. That was <laughs> But yet, when he comes for us, we will never are will be white as bright and bold as we can't even imagine. But that's the righteousness. It's his righteousness. We'll put on the robes of righteousness. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank You for this evening. Thank You for Your Word. And may it uh, make an impact just, uh, on us as we, we think about how You really do love us and relate to us. And You are to be glorified and praised as a result. In Jesus' name, Amen. Again, amen. Can I make a prayer request? Yes, go ahead. Amen.